you are listening to the Conversations for Change podcast with Dolphin Casper. So, uh, Kate Marco, welcome to the show. Uh, we actually met, I don't even know how many years ago now in Edmonton, maybe six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And you were still based there and uh, you've made the move to LA. And uh, I don't know, we haven't talked in, in a while now, but uh, it's nice to kind of stay in touch through social media. And uh, I'm excited to to have this afternoon to jam with you and hear about what you've been up to. And, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can share some, some things that are of value, uh, especially around, you know, the, as I was reading your website and, and your story, uh, the piece around the, you know, the turning point you had when you were in your twenties um, really stuck out for me because I think a lot of people um, for any number of reasons are, are in a situation where, life isn't going well or, or they're really struggling with something and life kind of slaps us in the face sometimes and says, Hey, time to get it together, but not everyone listens. So I was wondering if, if you'd be willing to start just telling me a little bit about um, when things really turned for you, what that what that experience was like, and then what you attribute your ability to, to really make that change. Yeah. For me, it was a really like, it was one solid, clear defining moment. And I don't know, if everyone has that experience, like I don't know if most people experience it as a clear defining moment or as something that like kind of builds up over time. But I mean, I had been, I had been abusing drugs and alcohol for, for over a decade. Um, I was in a relationship with an addict and my, my moment, like I'll never forget the moment. And I had heard people talk about moments like this in the past, but I, it was like, I remember the moment that I decided like I'm not living like this anymore. Something has to change. And it was my 24th birthday. I'm 30 now. So it was, it was almost six years ago. And I remember like I was a hairstylist at the time. So I had come home from work on my birthday. It'd been a busy day at the salon working with clients all day. And I was getting ready to go out. My friends had planned a night for me out at a lounge and I remember coming home and I didn't, I didn't eat. Like, it was like, okay, let's get ready. Like the girls came over doing our hair and makeup in my bedroom and I went out. And, and the thing was, is it wasn't really different than any other night I would go out. I mean, I would go out partying three, four, sometimes five nights a week. Um, but I got, I got to the club, I got to the lounge and kept drinking, still didn't really eat much. And I remember buying quite a bit of drugs like I remember buying cocaine which again like that was normal for me then that wasn't out of the ordinary but then that's the last thing I remember and I remember next just waking up on my living room floor not in my bed not even in my bedroom but on my living room floor like coming to and there's people in my house still like my friends that I'd gone out with and other people and I mean the scary thing was is I didn't the first thing I did when I, when I came to in that moment is I grabbed my purse and like, I still remember exactly what the purse looked like and small black purse. And I was like, where's the drug? Like, where's the cocaine I bought? Um, like trying to find it. Like I need something to numb out still. That's how I felt. It was like, I didn't want to be awake. I didn't want to be conscious. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And, and that's where I, when I got a little bit concerned, so I was like, there's no way I did all of those drugs. Like I would be dead if I, if I did, but I just wanted to be knocked out again. I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to be like in my own consciousness. And so 
I found like probably a third of a bottle of vodka in the kitchen and I just threw up a tap and I uh, tap and I just chugged it. I just chugged the rest back and, and went to my room and passed out. And it was the next morning that I, I like looked in my bathroom mirror and I was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You can't, you can't keep living like this. This isn't the way I felt when I looked in the mirror is like, this isn't who I am. Like, it's not who I felt like inside of myself. And yet here I was behaving and acting and living this life and this like out partying, drinking all the time. And I'm like, on a soul level, this isn't who I am. This isn't why I came here. And I had to get really honest with myself. Um, I think why, why I was even so painful on that particular birthday is I just ended that relationship that I talked about. And it wasn't because I didn't love the person. I loved him so much, but he was addicted to prescri prescription drugs. And so much of my life had started revolving around trying to get him better, trying to help him, trying to, this is so crazy looking back, but trying to help him actualize his potential, which is such a crazy projection that was going on. So it was like, here I was not living my truth, not living my the seed of potential that I believe God and the universe gave me. And I was trying, like I saw him and I saw like he was this talented musician and tattoo artist. And I was like, why isn't he doing something with his gifts? Like he could be showing up in such a more powerful way than he already was. And yet here I was like, not, not, not even knowing what my truth was, not tapped into my gifts. And, um, that was that was the moment where I was like, how am I trying to help someone get better when I'm dealing with my emotional pain from the breakup with drugs and alcohol, which is exactly what I'm trying to get him not to do. Mm -hmm. And that was like the metamorphosis. And shortly after he did pass away, he overdosed and died. And that was catapulted me even further, like into my own personal development journey and into like the work that I do now with people and just choosing to commit my life to being a voice of truth, to being a voice of helping people understand who they are, the inner workings of their mind, of their emotions, um, and ultimately to live in freedom. Um, and during that time, I, I really like isolated myself. I, I intuitively knew that I had to connect inside like that I had to get away from everyone in my life and people who identified me in a certain way or knew me as a certain person and I might not have described it as this at the time but like find my true identity like my true soul identity so I'd go traveling for like four or six weeks at a time by myself to I mean I went to Thailand, Bali, India, Peru and I started to feel like I was starting starting to understand who I was and, and connect with myself. And I feel like every trip I would go on, I'm like, this is who I really am. Like, this is the essence of my spirit. But then I would kind of go back to Edmonton where I was living at the time and like go back into my roles and back into like being Kat the hairdresser and, and, and then like traveling and expanding again. And I think it's been years of uncovering of living into who I am now but that was, yeah, I mean, that was the defining time. And it's so crazy. Cause like I, I would hear other people, you know, like we hear other people speaking of their journeys and like that moment in time, but 
when you're in it, it doesn't, it, you can't see the big picture. It was like when I was in it, I didn't know how bad what I was living was. And that if I had kept on that trajectory, I would be in a very different place. I don't know if I'd be alive right now. And yet it didn't seem that bad when I was in it until I got some space from it. And now I look back and I tell people my story and they're like, that's crazy. That didn't feel like you lived through so much. And I'm like, wow, yeah, I, I did. Um, and so I, I guess I want, I, I like sharing that part of the story because for anyone who's experiencing something or in that moment of metamorphosis and change of like, there's another side of it, but you can't see it yet. Like, can't see it yet. So I'm just curious, after all of this uh, traveling and personal development work and, and lots of introspection, I'm sure, um, do you have a sense of what was going on for you that, that for 10 years you were involved in drug and alcohol abuse? And, and then uh, sort of this, the follow-up question to that is, what was it or who was it in your life that, that was a reference point for you so that at 24 you were able to make that turn? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't feel like I had a reference point. I felt like I had no clue what I was doing. Um, I, I found a small, still, silent voice inside of me and I followed it. And I was like, what are we doing next? Where are we going? I don't feel like I had an understanding of like where where I was going or someone to emulate that. Um, there was there was no one for you that that like when you said what am I doing what am I doing right now like what am I doing with my life this isn't really me mm -hmm. that was the voice inside that that you don't have anyone in your life that you feel like represented that for you or that was able to kind of no I didn't know. I didn't know any, like I didn't know anything outside of what I was living. Like I didn't know that another reality could exist because what I was living felt like this is what's real. Like this is how people live. This is even how people socialize. I didn't even, I had to relearn how to socialize without alcohol. I had to relearn how to make love without being drunk or high. And I didn't know any other way. I didn't know any, and the people I was around lived the same way. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I've been reading like spiritual books and stuff, ironically, like since I was like 13. So I had this other side of me where I was like reading channeled material at a really young age. And yet I was living this duplicitous life because that's not, so I, I guess I had that sense of there's something more. Um, but to answer like what you first said of like, why do I think that I chose that path or ended up there? Like I talk about this in my book, but I remember from like a really young age, literally looking around and being like, what are we doing here? Like as a conscious thought of like, what are we doing here? What is everybody doing? And like, oh, okay. I, if I dress like this, I'm supposed to do that, or um, I'm supposed to act like this. I'm supposed to say that. And I felt like my whole life was that, of looking around me and trying to understand what I'm supposed to be doing and then just emulating or following what the people around me were doing to fit in. And that is not the true nature of, of me on a soul level of what I came here to be and do. But I remember that like from a very little age of just like, what are we doing? 
And, and this was a question I always had in my mind as well was, who decided this? I was like, who has the manual, this life manual that says this is what we have to do? Like that this is the way we have to look, that this is, I mean, even crazy things around like you have to exchange time for money, like all these things. I was like, where is this invisible rule book that everybody's living by? And I don't, and so I just did what most humans do and I just followed that. And me following even like normal structure in society was the death of my soul. I didn't fit in in school. I had a really hard time like sitting in a structured class. I have, I mean, even now, like visually the way I look, it's like, I don't even looking the way I felt like people, the society was telling me to look didn't work for me. It felt like a suppression of, of me, of who I am. And so I believe now, I mean, I didn't have this conscious recognition at the time, but I believe now that drugs and alcohol for me were a way to escape that fucking box that, that I squished myself in because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know how else to express or be. Um, and so that came, it came out in that way. And as a teenager, I mean, it came out as being really rebellious and just like um, always pushing extremes and pushing the limits and not listening to my parents. And, um, but that's what it was on a deeper soul level. Is like, I did not come here to fit the current paradigm. I came here to help teach and lead a new paradigm. And when I tried to fit into the current constructs of society and reality, it, it felt like a death of my inner self. And the only way I knew how to cope with that was by drinking and doing drugs to access some sort of feeling of connection inside of myself. And it, so I had to relearn, um, or maybe learn for the first time ever, how to have that true internal spiritual connection, uh, which is what I was seeking. In, in drugs and alcohol. Amazing. Yeah. And, and so for you, after 10 years of that, and then this, you know, somewhat spontaneous shift, although, you know, it's interesting to me that you say you started reading these spiritual books at 13. Do you mm -hmm. remember what, kind of what, what inspired that or, or how you found your first teaching or your first channeled piece of, of information? Yeah, well, my mom was big into spirituality. So, like, my mom was had all the, like, Louise Hay books and the Wayne Dyer books and, like, the, the teachers of that era of, like, my mom's generation. And and she would read all those those books. I remember, um, I don't know if it was her, it must have been my mom that bought this book for me, but it was the Conversations with God for Teens book by Neil Donald Walsh. Like, he's written tons of books, The Conversations with God, but he wrote a specific one, or maybe there was even two or three, I can't remember, that was for teens. And I had those, I believe my mom must have bought them for me. And it's an interesting thing is, is like, even when I was reading those books, I don't even know if I fully comprehended the words, but the energy of it felt true. And I couldn't have described it as that, as like a teenager, but I can understand it as that now. It's like I was reading it and I was like, these, I don't even know what these words are, but this feels like the, the closest thing to truth I've ever experienced in my life, like reading the, uh, people like Neil Donald Walsh. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this feels like home. What's happening out here in my family, in my like life doesn't feel true, but this feels like home. And then I started reading like Abraham Hicks. Again, I don't even know how I got a hold of those. 
Um, even while I was out partying all the times, I mean, I'd, I'd be at Ascendant Books and stuff in between partying, get reading, picking out spiritual books. And like, so I kind of had this like weird duplicitous life. Um, and then I remember actually it's crazy assets. I was thinking about this the other day because I've been tapping into different forms of my own channeling. I don't really talk about it. I don't really say that that's what I'm doing, but I'm aware that that's what I'm doing at times when I'm writing or when I'm speaking. And uh, I was thinking back to like this time I was reading a book that was called Writing the Divine by, her name was Sarah something. I don't remember her last name. Um, and I was like trying to do it. I was like, okay, I'm going to channel right. And like, that's not the way it works. Like you have to open your channels to it. But I was like, okay, let's channel right. Like let's do this. And then I was just thinking that like, our soul journey and our soul path is so crazy because it's like these things or maybe these intentions or these desires that we have years prior can kind of end up manifesting and unfolding years later. So this is also a really great, crazy and cool thing is like, even when I was going through this stuff with my ex and his passing and my own sobriety, it was like, I could simultaneously feel inside myself like the greater vision of my life and the greater purpose of my life and this might sound crazy too but when um, my ex passed away again it was almost like this duplicitous thing happening inside of me part of me was grieving upset and sad and like conflicted and then there was another part of me that just knew like this is exactly how everything is supposed to be right now and I knew in that moment that it had something to do with the unfolding of my own purpose. I could feel that. And I would, I would never have spoken it to anyone because I would have thought that they would have thought I was crazy. But I knew, I just knew. I was like, this is, this is part of my life's path. This is part of my purpose. There's a reason I'm living through it. It was also probably why I felt such a strong connection and bond to him is I believe on even a soul level that we had something in decision or in contract of, of this work, of this greater transformation and healing work for people. Um, so yeah, I was like, I could always feel that kind of like, and I talk about this in, in my book, but like I call it be yourself blueprint, but I could kind of feel almost like my soul's blueprint despite what was unfolding in the physical world reality. And the more that I've like expanded and lived now, I kind of call it like I live with one foot in each world. And that's a lot of what I teach too is like, we're not just physical beings. We are these like majestic, majestic, energetic divine beings in this physical reality. And I'm tapped into that. And I'm like, where can I go from here? Cause I have a sense that like I've tapped into it like this and there's probably so much more I get to learn and tap into. Um, but in a sense, I'm like, I knew that that's what I was missing all along. And that on some intuitive level, I know, I knew that this is who I was and that this is who we are as beings. And I was trying to live in a 3D world only. And that was death to me. Like, I didn't even know how to function in just that. And I think a lot of people that are suffering, that's actually what's happening. They just don't understand it. They don't know um, what's going on. So I, I agree. And I really love how you just worded that. And I'm wondering if you could... Just put some more words to what the difference is, like living your life in this three-dimensional physical reality, feeling disconnected from that other realm, that other dimension, whatever you want to call it, versus feeling connected. Can you talk a little bit about the contrast or the difference between those two ways of living? Because in a way, to me, 
that's at the heart of, of all of our real issues. You know, there are issues in the world, but, but I feel like all of the, the, the human created issues are out of that fundamental separation. So yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you see that. Yeah, for me, it, like if I think previously, it felt like going through motions, like being only in the physical, in the 3D reality felt like going through, like forcing my body through motions. And now, how do I describe it now? Um, it's this deep sense of self-trust in following <laughs> whatever I feel like doing. Like from an outside perspective, I, I actually often wonder what it must look like from an outside perspective. Um, but from an inside perspective, it's literally like waking up every single day and being like, what do I feel like doing? What do I feel called to do today? Where do I feel called to go? What do I feel called to say? And that translates into so much joy, so much connection and gratitude. And I feel like, I feel like this earth is a playground. Like I literally feel like, holy shit, we're living in a playground of malleable and moldable reality. And we get to just choose what we want to live and what we want to experience. So, um, yeah, it doesn't feel like forcing myself through the motions like it used to. It feels just this, like, I just follow what feels good to me most of the time, whether that's, like, certain people I should connect with, um, certain events I should go to. I just kind of, like, follow my into. I guess some people might just call that following their intuition. Um, but it just feels so rich, and it feels so it feels like truth. I'm like, oh, this is the way it was always meant to be. Like, of course, the other way didn't feel good or normal or natural. And when you, okay, so you had that shift. Do you know what was, was the reconnection with this deeper space, this inspired maybe, I don't often use the word, but like this spiritual dimension, um, did that come first and then you had the realization or were they simultaneous? Like, do you have a sense of that? I'm always no, I, interested in like the, 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 the subtleties, the nuances of these awakenings we have. Like what, what was it? Did we do something? Was it spontaneous? Did it like, was it a lightning bolt from the outside? Do you have a sense of, of for you what happened? Um, it, it actually for me, it feels like deliberate. Like I deliberately learned and intended to understand like who am I like that was a big question for me is like who who am I really um and no for me it wasn't like even when I had that rock bottom there was like there was a lot of pain after that like in that in those changes I wasn't like oh I see the light I was like oh I see the darkness and and it was like trudging through darkness for for even years after that it felt like um and then it, what it felt like for me was almost like I would see glimpses or feel. It was a feeling more than a seeing. I would, I would feel glimpses of like expansion and like light. And then it almost created a bit of fear in me because I was like, oh, that's not safe. Like got to go back to like the old ways of thinking, the old ways of being. 
Um, and it kind of like was like that for, for a while, for years. Uh, and it felt like kind of like contracted, which, which it didn't feel contracted actually. It felt normal, but which I now feel is contraction. And then I'd have these like, and then like, and then like, and then I, like I learned, like I've taken time to like read a lot of books and work with mentors who I see living this stuff and, and conscious and we're even working with my own soul and my own inner world to like consciously step in into these feelings of joy of bliss of gratitude um but one like defining moment that i'm feeling really called to share is i started going to school at the Sa university of santa monica for spiritual psychology and it was just a program that i had like come across a couple of times online and the, the last time i found it I just was like, it was this, oh, I know that's where I'm supposed to go. I know that this is my next step. And I applied and I got accepted. And so I was flying from Edmonton to LA once a month for classes. And I remember the first weekend that I flew out and that we had class. And I remember walking into the building and the staff members were standing there. And there was one staff member particularly, her name was Ashley. And I'd spoken to her on the phone during enrollment. And I, and as I walked in and I looked at her and she said like, hi, welcome. And she looked at me and I was like, I felt love. Like I felt love. And it was like emanating from her eyes. And, and I said inside of myself, again, it was that like, I think I'm home. Like this is home. And it was then that I started, like, and then actually in the, my spiritual psychology program, they teach us, like, how, it's like they take you through a guided spiritually, spiritual awakening process in, in an experiential classroom. Um, and that, I think, was what really, like, shifted things for me. But being in that, I just remember that moment of her looking at me, and it was like, I just saw love in her eyes and I just felt it. And I was like, oh, it's that same feeling of like when I would read Neil Donald Walsh conversations with God for teens, like this is home, this is truth. Um, and now I've, I've consciously and deliberately, deliberately cultivated that as the energy that I live from. And it, it's a choice, it's a daily choice to shift out of fear, to shift out of scarcity, to shift out of doubt, to shift out of hatred judgment um but it gets easier and easier so now where it's like at first it would be like oh i'm having a judgment or i'm in fear and i need to like deconstruct it and figure out what's going on and shift it and now i'm just like it's kind of an energetic thing where i'm like oh that's not true like gotta shift and, and then shifting into the more elevated emotion but yeah it's very it's very deliberate like none of it for me none of it was like accidental I guess it was kind of like having inner awarenesses and then choosing to like reprogram my own being into that. And I think that's why I was able to like, now I even look back and, and again, I talk about this in my book, but I had extreme childhood trauma and again, thought it was normal. Like just thought that's how families live. This is what, this is normal, how normal people grow up. And now I'm like, that is insane. Some of the things I lived through, and it's a miracle that I am who I am now and that I've consciously created this. But I think that's why. It's because I, I see those things and then I consciously 
shift them. I consciously like chose the life I'm living now. If that makes sense. Totally. And you, you were saying that when you had the shift, you kind of basically, I don't know if you disconnected from your social network and made choices that, you know, no one was informing you to do that, but somehow inside you knew. Mm-hmm. And, and I know this dynamic plays out a lot of the time when we, we were closely knit with whoever we're connected to. And, and then we change. If they're not ready to change with us, people can actually, uh, you know, consciously or unconsciously interfere with our, with our process, with, with our trajectory. Um, did you experience any of that? And if so, how did you navigate? Yeah, I have a whole chapter in my book about that, like just about that, about understanding. And I'll give you like a really tangible story. I remember um, when I decided to stop drinking and all my friends, that was our lifestyle. So suddenly I had, um, I still tried to, initially I still tried to like, oh, I can still be a part of the group and have friends. Very quickly I realized that if I was going to honor these new choices I was making that could not happen. But I remember um, I, I was at my best friend's house and I was telling her like, yeah, I'm not drinking anymore. And she was like, what do you mean you're not drinking anymore? And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like it's just a choice. I'm just doing this. And, and she said, she said, so does that mean, um, will you date someone who drinks like, or do they have to not drink as well? And I was kind of like, oh, at first I felt like, wow, I, I actually never thought about that. And so I was kind of thinking about it. And I, and I was like, no, I want to date a man that doesn't drink as well, especially because this was exiting that relationship. And after his death, I was like, I think I'm very clear that I, I want to date somebody who doesn't drink. And she goes, well, like not even socially, like not even a beer. And I was like, no. But I felt even as I was having this conversation, I felt the confliction of like, is that possible? Like, I didn't, part of me was like, oh, it must not be possible. And she literally said, she was like, well, good luck with that. Like, cause men like that don't exist. And I think the thing is that I do have a strong inner voice and I do my whole life. I have like heard it and listened to it. So I, at first I was like, oh my God, maybe she's right. That must be true. And I was like, no, I'm not choosing that. I'm choosing something different. And I think it was like a couple of weeks later, I met a guy that was like, had drank once in his life or something. And he was just like sober by choice. So it was like, I started to see that when I affirm something and I decide something, it then shows up for me. Um, but that played out like in all my friendships for a bit, like that same friend um, was then, well, are you still going to come out with us? Like, and just not drink. And so I tried that. But being in a bar, being in those environments and not drinking was no longer conducive. It was like, I don't even want to be here now. So I started doing things like I went on meetup.com and found like 25 different groups and was like, I just started showing up at groups. I would like show up to meditation groups. I showed up to exercise groups. I even showed up to this one group. It was a hiking group in the River Valley in Edmonton. And I showed up and I remember I was so scared. I was so nervous. And I like went to Mountain Equipment Co-op and bought like hiking boots and a, and a backpack and even like a Nalgene water bottle. Like I was like, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm like, I'm doing, I'm the real deal. Like, here we go. Let's go hiking. And I showed up and I went to the circle and it was all, it was a 50 plus group. 
like age 50 and up. And I didn't know and I was 24 at the time. Like, and I walked over there and I literally was like, my stomach was in a knot. I was like, Oh my God, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And I stopped for a moment and I just kept walking. And I was like, no, I'm doing this. Like I'm here. I'm showing up. I'm not turning back. And they were like, Oh, like there is a younger group, but they just like welcomed me in. And like, I went hiking with them, had some great conversations. And it was like the, tr- the transformation in my life was day by day, moment by moment choices like that. Of like, I am choosing to step into something new and I'm terrified and I'm scared and people are judging me and I'm doing it anyways. And I just keep doing that. I just keep doing that. But that's why I talk about that so in depth in my book of understanding when you're making a change and, and people are trying to hold you back because your expansion, my expansion, it, it intimidated them. And stepping into health and, and leaving drinking and leaving the drug scene, it, it was a mirror to, to their lifestyle and they didn't like that. But I, didn't, I had to come to that inside of myself and like, oh, this is what's happening and I have to keep following this voice. I have to keep following this compass. I felt like it was like a compass inside of me. I'm like, I have to just keep going. I have to just keep going. I have to just keep going. And it was the same thing. I mean, then I started writing my book and, and the people I was surrounded with, I, I kind of did things opposite. Like most people I learned now, like they're like, they build their businesses and they, then they write a book. And I'm like, I have a story to tell them writing a book. And, um, but the people I was surrounded by at the time, um, I was still a hairstylist. That was my career for 13 years. They were um, like, they're like, you can't do that. Like, what do you mean you're writing a book? I was like, I'm writing a book. Like, I have to share this. I have to share, A, my story, and B, the knowledge and these teachings of how we create change and transformation and align with our true inner compass. Um, But they thought I was crazy. Nobody believed in me. Nobody believed me that I was, A, going to do it, or B, that I could do it. And, um, And, but I just was like, I can't, there's no way I'm feeling this call to do something if I'm not supposed to do it. And I just kept ignoring them and I kept moving forward and kept ignoring them and I kept moving forward. Um, Actually, like in vulnerability, my growth edge right now is maintaining long-term relationships because I've experienced so much of that, that I haven't yet entered a period of my life where um, people around me have sustained growth with me. And so I've had a lot of like um, being surrounded by people, but then I grow and I expand and they don't. And then I just keep doing that. So recently I've like had a little chat with the universe. I was like, can we call in some people who are also on this path of continual growth and evolution? Because I want um, like long-term friendships and I want people to, to be able to go through those processes like that they're also living their life in that way so that I don't like, so that I can actually have long, longer term relationships. Cause I've had the same thing actually with dating as well. And again, I've just been like, okay, well I'm still growing. So see you later. Um, but now I'm like, okay, I want to do this within relationships. Well, that brings up such a good point, which I don't know if anyone, well, I don't know if a lot of people really get it, which is if we're going to grow in the way that we're meant to, for me, that extremely massive growth we have when we're babies and young children is meant to continue. We're not, we don't like lock it in at five and then that's it. It's like, we're meant to keep expanding and growing. 
And I think implicitly, even when we're young, we, we start to see that if I grow in the way that I'm able to, I won't have these relationships, or at least they won't be able to contain what I'm growing into. And, and then we have choices to make around keeping ourselves small so that we can maintain connection. And that's, that's a tough choice for fundamentally social creatures. Uh, and yet we, we know, like you've been saying, we know we're here for more. We know we're here to, to become a butterfly from a caterpillar uh, over and over. And, and we can find people and communities that are doing that. And f from where I sit, it's still quite rare. It's mm -hmm. not an easy find. And, and we have to be consistently in that space, transmitting that and, and saying yes to, to it when we see it outside of ourselves. Yeah, well, as you were saying, like, we know that we're these caterpillars that are supposed to evolve into butterflies. I was actually thinking, I was like, we know, and some people know. I was like, but I don't think that the vast majority of our culture does know that. Like, I actually think that that is the smaller percentage, but I do believe that that's like what we're evolving into is this recognition of like, oh, hey, with consciousness here embodies, we have to evolve, we have to grow. And that when we don't, that's actually when we feel, when we feel pain. Um, but I, I think this is the way that I kind of like view it inside of myself. Um, I believe that the universe is my provider. And even though I've had like evolutions of like friendships and things falling away, I never feel lonely. And I always meet new people. Like everywhere I go, I have connections and it's funny because when I moved out to LA people are like oh you're getting to know a new city and I'm like hey, no I'm here like because that to me is almost like the spiritual context or, or just the remembrance of who we are as energetic beings that we're not alone ever like we're not and that like one particular relationship is not our source of love it's not our source of connection our source of love our source of connection is internal and I think a lot of people say that but they don't actually know what it means they don't actually know how to embody it and when that's the truth that we're living from then relationships are able to um, dismantle if they, they need to I think we need to redefine even what a successful relationship is um, so that they're allowed to evolve and allowed to, to shift and, and even deconstruct if they're no longer uh, in, in alignment but it's definitely for me yeah it's, a, it's an inner thing of like oh I just I don't ever I don't ever feel lonely and I meet amazing incredible beings every like even when I just walk outside to go to the grocery store and gym um because I guess I just decided that that that's how I want to live for you now that you're working with people and, and I'm sure you you run into limiting beliefs and people feeling stuck and, and, and feeling confused and feeling like they're at an impasse. What, what's your, what's your approach or what do you feel like people who are stuck, but at least they know they're stuck. Like some people don't even know they're stuck, hmm. but, but if you're, if you're talking to or working with someone who feels stuck and they just don't know a way forward, how do you tune them into this bigger context or bigger perspective that enables at least a, a, a bigger frame of reference for them to begin navigating by. Those are my favorite people to work with um, because they come with such strong desire. 
and I have actually worked with people who don't are extremely stuck, but don't have the same level of like, I know I need to change and it makes my job very not, not enjoyable. And I'm like decided I don't do that anymore. I'm like, not until you're ready. Like this is not, but the people who are ready are my favorite, even if they're stuck because they like hear it. They're ready. They're listening. They're waiting for that nugget that allow like that allows them to understand something differently. But my predominant method and, and belief is that I embody it so fully energetically and believe it so fully that I almost refuse to buy into the reality that they're living. And this is vastly different from any from a lot of different like coaches, therapists, any like healing personal development modality, whatever you want to call it, because I don't believe in that that framework. Because that framework is there's something wrong that needs fixing, but energetically we can't focus on a point. It's all energy. It's not even real. It's just a made up construct. So I just hold the knowing of who they really are. I hold the knowing of what I know to be true inside of myself. And that's the place I speak from. That's the place I emanate my energy from. And that's the place that I hold. And it's like, hey, come on, come here. Like, come into this energy. And I just project that so strongly that if they're willing to hear it and they're open, they'll get it like this. And I have clients like that where it's like, I don't even – we're not even focused on their problem and boom, they turn around and their lives are like completely different lives. They're experiencing things differently. I have people say to me um, at one session with you, I got more out of the 60 minutes with you than I got out of my last 10 years of therapy. And I know what's happening. And I'm like, yes, it's because this, 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 and this. And they're like, oh. Um, so yeah, I refuse to focus on their stuckness. I refuse to even believe that they're stuck. I don't believe they're stuck. I believe that they're, they're just at a point and it's like they, that can break loose in one second. Transformation is my belief now that it doesn't have to take years and years and years and time and time and time. We are so such powerful beings. We can choose a new reality and shift into it like that. And truthfully, I did that with sobriety. I didn't go to a rehab center. I didn't, I didn't, I did not fix the problem. I did not say cat has a problem of drinking and drugs and it needs to be fixed, and I'm gonna go seek help. I had a moment in time where I was like, no more, I am a different person, this is the reality I live in now, and I never looked back. I never touched drugs and alcohol again, I never craved drugs and alcohol again, and alcohol again, and that is now, I didn't realize, I couldn't explain it in teachable terms then, but that's now the energy that I hold with clients, um, Cause it's like you're not broken you don't need fixing you don't have a, there's not even a problem it's all these inner constructs of reality so i teach them this but i'm very much just um i trust what needs to come through me to speak to them and i i tap in and i just hear it and i like i let it come through and they hear what they need to hear as opposed to like okay you got this problem and we better fix it and you need to do x y and z to fix it just hold so strongly the energetic frequency of what I know to be true for them, that they come into it. Or sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're really committed to their problems, um, but I still won't go there with them. Mm. Amazing. And I, I agree. I, like what you're saying resonates with me a lot. And um, I had this, this idea a while ago about how 
Um, the most important thing for us is how we're being with what's occurring and with our life first. First, that's, could be, the reason that's first is because that's what we have direct control over. So much in this physical reality is happening and we don't have our hands directly on it. But I, I have my hands directly on how I'm being in my own heart. Yeah. I, can, I can shift that right now. Yeah. As, as messed up or broken as stuff on the surface can be, in this moment, without any of that changing, I can shift how I'm choosing to be with it. Yeah. And, that, and that when that happens, everything else begins to follow suit. Everything else starts to not like the, the stuff on the surface might take some time to it's just like, like uh, I'm near the ocean right now, which I love, but you know, there's a storm. And when the, when the wind stops blowing, the waves keep going for a little while, but eventually without the wind, the, the, the ocean gets calm again. Mm -hmm. And so, so that piece is so important. And then in a world that's so focused on the surface, that's so occupied with how it looks and comparing how it looks to how it should look or how to engage the surface, right? Like that's the piece that I think, especially for coaches or people who are in positions of influence or authority, it's not for us just to sit in a cave on the top of a mountain and be, it is for us to engage life. It is for us to be in relationship with each other and how to bring that, that, quality of being which is a quality of openness a quality of presence a quality of 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 basically i talk about it as as a, a an unconditional yes to life mm. first and then there's everything to do it's not we don't stop there yes is not like the end point it's opening the first door to a real life mm -hmm. so anyway i'm curious about for you any of the the I, I would consider it sort of a, a, an intersecting or an integrative place where that quality of being matches the real doing and living of life because it's about doing both. I, I, I'm just like, yes, yes. It very much resonates with everything you just said. Um, and the piece about like your beingness in spiritual psychology, we actually, one of the principles in spiritual psychology is uh, it's not the issue. It's how you relate to yourself about the issue and that's like exactly the same thing as what you're saying just different words um it, that's exactly it it's like the problem isn't even out here but it yes and i feel like this is the time and age we're living into is is spirituality and these understandings of our inner world and energy and these like our mind and our emotions is no longer separate from the outer world like it, it we ha we're doing both at the same time. We're doing both at the same time. Like we're in this world, we're of this world, we take physical action, but there's also all this stuff going on behind the scenes. That's the way I look at it. And that's what I term it as like one foot in each world. It's not one or the other. It's not like being physical is the most spiritual thing in the world. Um, and even manifesting and stuff. I went through a time where it was like, oh, I must not need material goods then. Um, it was kind of an experiment too. I like, I own a house in Edmonton. I rented it out. I sold all my stuff. I had two suitcases. And I'm like, ah. And then I'm like, oh, this is fun for a while. But like, oh, the fun of it also is living in the material world, right? So if we want to feel love within our own hearts, but we want to also make love to another human being because that is delicious and it feels good. I don't know what else we were talking about, but that's the way I interpret. Well, <laughs> yeah, we get to have a, we get to have it all. <laughs> yeah, 
there's nowhere we can't go, so it's fine. Uh, it's a good segue into into your work because uh, you know I I, uh, I read a little bit, see little bits and pieces of you and what you're up to, and it seems to be centered very much around the kind of reclamation of of heart and self and spirit as an integrated whole, and and that sexuality and sexual expression is a central part of of what you're kind of coaching and bringing. So. Uh, why that path, why that kind of domain and maybe tell me a little bit about your journey from, you know, from, from being healing and, and, and being more integrated yourself and now being in a position where you're supporting others in the same. Yeah. So I feel like sex is like one piece of what I do. It is a big piece of what I do. Um, but my journey in that was it, the symptom, the kind of like external manifestation of what was going on below the surface is I wasn't able to orgasm with partners ever for, for, for years and years and years and years. And I started questioning like, why, why can I self pleasure and orgasm really quickly? But when I'm with a man, I can't. And I would also have partners asking me like, Pat, how do I touch you? How do I please you? How do I turn you on? And I felt like a deer in headlights. Like I was like, oh, I, uh, I don't just do something if it feels good I'll tell you like I had no vocabulary I had no I, I didn't know I didn't know I didn't know how to communicate and I felt like every other woman in the world must have some manual again like with the life manual like every woman in the world I think has a sex manual about understanding her own body her own pleasure her own orgasm that I didn't get and I think I better figure this out um and so I went on again, like a, a self exploration of like, it was, it was again, a, this determination of like, I'm learning this. I'm taking responsibility for my own sexuality and my own pleasure and my own body. And I'm, I'm learning this I'm figuring this out. And so I, I mean, I went on a journey of just like reading tons of books, going to every, any and every workshop that I could find around sex, around relationships, around intimacy. And a big piece of this too was, um, because I, I felt more sexually open and free when I drank, but it was like me learning how to do that sober and how to connect with the heart of another person sober. Um, and yeah, so I spent, again, like years and years just learning, understanding my own body, accessing deeper states of orgasm myself. And then as I was doing that, I started talking more and more openly about it, mostly out of my own excitement. Like I was like, oh my God, can you believe this? Like I didn't, I didn't know this about our bodies and women can orgasm like this and this and this. And I was talking to other women about it and, and realizing that they were reflecting back to me that, oh, I like, they're kind of like, listen, like what? Like, what did you like? Like what? I didn't know that. And I realized that other women were struggling with these same challenges that I had had around communication, around even knowing what they desire around access orgasm um, if at all but especially with partners and, and so as I dove in like in my own journey I realized that a sex is not again just like everything we've been talking about it's not just about the physical world or the, our physical bodies and that's what I was tapping into when I'm like well how come I can orgasm by myself but not with a partner and that's when I started digging into these deeper emotional layers around being seen around being vulnerable around deconstructing what I believed 
a sexually embodied woman had to look like, was supposed to look like, was supposed to act like in the bedroom. Um, and, and really like reclaim finding and reclaiming my authentic sexual expression. And yeah, as I was talking to other women about this, I, I was like, I got to start speaking about this more. Like I have to, there are women who need this that maybe don't even know they need it. And they're just like either in sexless relationships or going through the motions of sex or having a ton of sexual desire, but not knowing how to honor it and communicate it and speak it. Um, and, and I went on to become a certified sex and relationship coach. And now I, like the way I teach it is really holistic. Like I, I combine together like our physical pillar, our mental pillar, our emotional pillar and our spiritual pillar to really integrate a whole, um, sexual living amazing and so what can you say so you you had your process and then you're you're working with women uh, around you know I'm sure some shared blocks some shared dynamics but also I'm sure you've experienced things where other women are experiencing things you didn't mm -hmm. but I think from from a man's perspective um, I have a lot of curiosity around what, 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 what makes the difference? And of course it starts with the woman, her own relationship with her own heart, her own, her own body, her own sense of feeling at home there. But then when it bridges, like the fact that you're able to orgasm on your own, but not with a partner, um, when another is there, what, like what allows it to be safe enough, playful enough, uh, alive enough, for that authentic expression to come through? Like what, if you were going to pull out some, some central threads of that. The interesting thing for me, the shifting point was, it was like once I could access and, and cultivate that inner connection, that connection with my own body, it truthfully, it's almost like I've been able to experience a deep sexual connection with multiple people and it's less relevant what they're doing mm. um and maybe that was a choice i made like maybe i made that choice that like i'm in control of this inside of myself um but i realized that that's actually how powerful i am as a woman that i can bring someone into that space and as opposed to waiting for them to create something for me to be able to access it, which I think is what I've had experiences of in the past, but that felt very like dependent on then I'm relying on how someone else shows up all the time. And then there's these like expectations that they have to be this a complete presence or doing things this way. And so for me, yeah, I guess maybe that might be different than the way other people experience it, but it's more of like an inner experience and, and it has become like less relevant, I guess, what that the other person is, is doing. Um, yeah. Amazing. So if, you know, uh, <laughs> in my head, I, I was just thinking of, of the, the humor of it. It's like, well, actually I don't need the guy. He's, he's uh, inconsequential, uh, which I know isn't what you meant, but, but, <laughs> For you, that for you, the, the, the real point or the real centerpiece of, of what's changed is your own relationship, where you're relating from, how the expression is coming through you. And that, um, you know, is, is it that that's happened and now how it unfolds on a physical level 
just all works or, or like, again, my, my curiosity, because I, I know that it's first this one, mm-hmm. but then there's an interplay. Then there's the physical bodies. Then there's the emotional stuff. Then there's the, the touch of, of anxiety or insecurity when, you know, something happens or, you know, he's not aroused anymore. Or like, you know, all the stuff that can happen in, in, in that space and, and that we know that it starts here, but about like, what can you say that you, I mean, I, I just think so many people struggle with this. Um, mm-hmm. I have this, I have this theory that, that mostly we're navigating life uh, on, on a, a relative scale. In other words, the best I've ever experienced for me is a 10, but that doesn't mean that's the best I can experience. It's just, that's my frame of reference. And so I think even people that think they have a decent love life, I think are just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. And so, so again, I'm, I'm curious about what you would say to people that um, either know it can be way better and want that or think that it's great and aren't that interested in making it better, but they don't know that, you know, they're ju- they just stepped into the forest and there's a whole jungle there. Yeah. So if someone... So tell me the first person again. The second person is the person that doesn't know it can get better. Well, I mean, the person who so the person who doesn't know it can be better is like they got it. It's good, no problem. Mm-hmm. But but the other person, um, they know that it can be better. That they, mm-hmm. they know that it's actually you know this thing that everyone says is the greatest thing in the world isn't so great for them. So right. you know, I think those are two two different people, but in a way they both uh, would benefit from the same thing, which is just a bigger, a bigger context. I feel like my answer would be the first thing is, is start like even being in places like this and listening to conversations like this. Cause when our mind starts to become aware that there is more possibility and other people who have had experiences of making that expansion, it automatically opens up our own consciousness to, to what is possible. And I believe that, that that is the first step of like, I mean, read a book, go to a class, listen to a podcast, work with a coach. Like that's what I did on my own journey. I was like, I think I need a sex coach. Like I went and found a, a sex coach. I was like, what do I, what do I need to discover here? Like how do I dismantle this stuff? Um, so it's like opening your mind up that to what is possible. Actually, even if you don't know what is possible, to like, oh, there might be possibility here. And a lot of it is, is belief. So this is like a common struggle that I find people come to me with, especially in partnership. And it will be like, I want something more, but how do I communicate that? My partner doesn't get it. They don't understand and this is the way I operate in every context of my, my own life and the way I teach it to other people is like it all starts with belief. So if you believe 100% that you want to expand but your partner doesn't have the capacity to go there, you set them up for failure before they even have a chance to step into something new. So the starting place in that, because I feel like that's a really common dynamic that I experience in, in couples or in women that come to me would be first like, how do you know your partner doesn't want exactly the same thing and they are terrified to have a conversation about it um, or that maybe they're intuitively wanting more but they don't even know how to put words to it yet. Like how can you expand your mind into the next phase or into the next expansion? Because then 
the physical reality starts opening up, then you might find the form. Then you might find this class. Then you might, then you start finding things. Like same with me when I made the decision of like, no, I don't want to date men who drink. Boom, someone shows up in my reality. Um, so it starts, it starts there. Like how can you open your mindset into possibility? And if you think your partner isn't going to be on board, um, can you give them more possibility, some more credit of what they might be capable of? Because um, that, I believe, is what's required to continue to grow a relationship where both people are evolving and expanding. Um, and then I would say it's like getting clear on what it is you do desire, which, some, which sometimes is the first door opening of like, I've never, and that was for me and, and with a lot of the women I work with as well, it's like, I didn't even know there was options. So how do I know what I desire? How do I even know what I want to learn? How do I even know what I want to expand into if I don't know what, what's out there? And to that, I would recommend like, yeah, work, work with someone, like work with someone like myself or yourself or someone who's been on this journey and can help guide you into a deeper place of understanding your desires and then also help you get confident and clear in them to communicate them to another human being. Mm. Yeah. Sweet. You mentioned about like kind of when there's a dissolution or a deconstruction of relationship. Um, I think oftentimes we, we go in and, and again, I, uh, even on an unconscious level, it's about fixing. It's about making better. It's about, uh, you know, continuing the relationship and, and some part of, of a, a long-term relationship is about sticking it out. And, and at some point, some relationships are meant to come apart. And so I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that. I think that piece, if, if we were, A, I think if we were just more willing to be alone, uh, we wouldn't struggle with that, that decision so much. Uh, if we were a little bit better with, with being the instrument of someone else's pain, you know, in, in a loving way, but, but sometimes we, we may hurt people. Uh, if we were better at those two things, I think that would help. But what else would you say to people around, um, discerning the difference between a time when it's like, let's open and be in the pain and work with this and, and keep moving forward versus actually it's time for us to, to say thank you and goodbye. Yeah, I'm going to share like the best I can from my own context of experience. And that being said, like I haven't been in a long term monogamous relationship beyond the one that, uh, where my, I ended the relationship with my partner passed. Um, and what I mean by that is like, I haven't been in anything beyond like a year where there's ample time to go through evolution within one relationship. So I don't want to give something that is beyond my own experience, but the way that I feel now, and, and this is also the way I teach it and the tool that I give for, for other people. And this is whether... Well, I'll give the tool and then use the context and use it in. It's like, what is the intention behind and within the container of the relationship? So for me, I'm very clear right now at this point in my life, even though I'm single, that entering into a relationship or when I'm in the container of the relationship, the intention is for mutual growth in accordance to our highest calling and our highest good. And so the way that I coach couples and singles entering a relationship is to get clear on 
what is your highest intention for being in the relationship? And a way that we can do that is go like, what is my intention for relationship? Um, to feel connection and intimacy, to have amazing epic sex, to um, do life with someone. It might start with these more like what feel kind of like one layer and then go like, okay, what's my intention that's even deeper than that? Okay, my intention even deeper than that is to experience deeper levels of my own soul through, through partnership with another person, to be a conduit to help them evolve to their highest and greatest potential in this human form. Like, and then we go deeper and like, hey, what's the, what's the, the intention below that? And then, so I believe that when that is the crossroads, of like, do we keep doing this thing together or do we, does, is it time to dismantle it, is coming back to the intention. Because you can supersede a, you can super, uh, supersede a superficial problem, sounds like a tongue twister, uh, you can supersede a superficial problem by coming back to that highest intention. And it's like you exactly what you said. And when you're dealing with something in your own life, like a challenge or an obstacle, and you come back to the beingness, and then you can approach the problem. And it's like you're approaching it from a different level of consciousness, and it kind of sorts itself out. And so I believe the same to be true in relationship. It's like how it, when both people together can come back to that higher state of consciousness, which to me is defined by the highest intention in the relationship and then approach a, a problem or a challenge that is happening in the in the moment or in the current reality that's when it becomes clear um but again i have to say that like i'm not in partnership doing this in this moment but this is my vision for for partnership and calling in my own life partner for however long that may be. It might not be for life. I'm, I understand that sometimes it isn't, but that would be my intent, my um, model construct and, and intention. And if both people, and both, but I do feel that both people need to have that vision, right? Both people need to be aligned with that highest intention. So if you're already in relationship, and I've coached couples in this, if they're already in relationship and didn't have these awarenesses entering the relationship is to then have these conversations but like what is your intention for being here and if you don't know we'll start to know dig deep <laughs> you can figure it out like why the fuck are you here in the relationship like why are you in this relationship right now instead of being single by yourself instead of being in another relationship like why are you here why and, and to start to have both people flesh that out because it also causes people to start accessing a deeper place inside of themselves. And so that's how I would approach it because then when there's a sexual challenge arising, it's like, or a communication challenge in the bedroom arising and both people are elevated to that place, now you're approaching it from a different beingness. Mm. And then the problems can be worked out and then they can become um, pathways to something greater as opposed to like, oh, we have this shitty problem we need to fix. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoy just the way you put that together. And uh, I, I, when I'm working with people, it's often very much about what I call our, our primary why. Like, mm -hmm. we need to get to a why that 
that can hold all of life. That if we create a why where a certain circumstance now or down the road could come in and kick the crap out of me where I don't even know what's what, that's not, a, that's not a deep enough why for my life. And, and, and I think a mistake that people make in relationship is they come into the relationship without really clarifying that why, mm-hmm. individually and collectively. And, um, you know, I, I think sometimes people think that, that, like, political views and ideologies are, if those are lined up, that that's enough. But it, it just doesn't work. Because, because there's aspects of us that are deeper than ideology and, and, and politics. And so, so yeah, for me, I, I am totally aligned with that way of approaching it, which is why are we really here? And, and can we create a why where actually no matter what were to come our way, we would show up for it because we know that whatever comes is our opportunity to actually make our why real in our lives. So, so and, and, and if we don't do that at the beginning, then we have to kind of dig up a, a false foundation to the relationship mm-hmm. to reestablish it, which is way more difficult and painful than to do it at the start, uh, which isn't to say it's not worth it. But, but yeah, I think, I think that, that piece around can we get on the same page of what are we really doing here? So for me, it's, it's that fundamental why of being. And then how do we want to operate before we even talk about what we're going to do on the surface? It's like, what are the qualities of being and qualities of doing that we're aligned with that are informed by our fundamental why? When we take care of those two levels, the, the why and the how, the what is like no problem. It's, it's, it's just like you said at the beginning, it's a play. It's, it's yeah. a playground to, to just be in our joy, be in our love, be in our full expression. And, and I think a lot uh, of people will approach it reverse of like, the what, and then it creates all the problems and there's no understanding of how, of how to fix it. So it's just trying to fix it in more of the what. <laughs> and that's why people need people like you <laughs> to help them understand what's going on. Like, yeah, but we're, we're doing our thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, it's been really sweet. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And, and to be really honest, I, I hadn't spoken with you in a while and it's really clear to me in this conversation how much you've been learning and growing and, and developing in your life. Uh, it's just really sweet to see and hear and, and feel. Um, so thank you for making the time to chat with me. And uh, just for anyone that's, that's enjoyed the conversation and wants more cat, um, how do they plug in and, and, and uh, connect with you? Yeah. I mean, you can email me. My, my email is contact at cattrimarco.com. So C O N T A C T at K A T T R I M A R C O.com. Um, social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram a lot. Uh, Instagram is at K-A-T underscore T-R-I-M-A-R-C-O. And on Facebook, it's just Kat Trimarco. Um, yeah, reach out if you have any, any questions or if anything even just like touch me about today's episode or that you want to learn more about how to integrate in your own life. I do have my website too, I guess. <laughs> um, Oh my gosh, social media. Who visits websites anymore? People don't use websites anymore. I know. It's like, his website is cattrimarco.com as well. So it's cattrimarco and all the things except for Instagram. There's an underscore in between cat and trimarco. Sweet. And you guys, you still have your book, uh, Self-Approved, which can be found uh, all sorts of different places? Yeah. So it's on, it, in Edmonton. It's in most bookstores. Um, and it's on Amazon. Sorry, Milo is uh, playing, playing guard dog. 
Good. My five pound Yerky. You're um, safe. You're safe. We're all safe. Nobody panic. Uh, yeah, the book is on is on Amazon.com and it's called Self Uh Well, I'll put links in anything that I'm sharing uh, around the talk. And uh, again, thank you for your time. I really look forward to staying in touch, uh, staying connected. Uh, seeing what you're up to, and uh, I trust that we'll have chances to cross paths again. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be here and having these conversations with you. Yeah, See you, Kat. Bye. Take care. You are listening to the Conversations for Change podcast with Dolphin Casper.